Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Kale & Company Live here on WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com, we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at DeltaDentalCoversMe.com. Coming up uh, later in the show today, we'll be checking in with uh, Anna Brown. Anna's been uh, with us uh, a number of times before on the show. She is Director of Research and Analysis at Citizens Count, citizenscount.org, on Facebook, on Instagram, you, you name it, they're all over the place. This is February the 2nd, 2023. And Kat, what do you immediately think of when you hear the date February 2nd? You know, that's a great question. Why don't you tell us? Oh, okay. It's Groundhog Day. Oh my gosh, that's right. Today is Groundhog Day. You know, great Bill Murray movie made uh, about this day. And Punxsutawney Phil has spoken this morning. And Punxsutawney Phil predicts that we are going to have six more weeks of winter. I believe it. I think I think Phil might be uh, right on there. Phil, the, uh, the Punxsutawney Phil. Aww. That's right, the uh, beloved or beloved groundhog took his position for the 137th time in Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania, earlier this morning. Now, Phil's inner circle, as it were, summoned him from his tree stump to learn if he saw his shadow. And according to folklore, uh, folklore, there will be six more weeks of winter if he sees his shadow. If he doesn't, spring will come early. And thousands of people, cat, thousands, descended upon Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania. They came out in the early morning hours, came out in the dark to see Phil make his weather prediction. That is so funny. I don't know what it is about animals with human names, but it makes me so happy. <laughs> Punxsutawney Phil. I don't know how many Punxsutawney Phils there have been in the 137 years of this exercise in Gobbler's Knob, uh, Pennsylvania. And it means, I'll tell you what it does mean. It means a good business for the uh, small town in Jefferson County. Get this. This is according to uh, Katie Laska who is the president of the Chamber of Commerce there. And she says, and I quote, we have 6,000 people that live here, and it swells to twenty or 30,000 on Groundhog Day when Punxsutawney Phil shows up. How about that? 6,000 normally, but today and every February the 2nd, 20 to, uh, to 30,000 people uh, descend upon this small uh, town of uh, Gobbler's Knob, uh, Pennsylvania, to see what uh, Phil has up his sleeve, I guess. Uh, you can just imagine, <laughs> she said, uh, the impact that it has on our economy in that uh, small town. According to uh, records dating back to 1887, Phil has predicted winter more than 100 times. Uh, ten years were lost because no records were kept, according to organizers. That's a shame. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, there you go. There's actually a lot of 
folklore surrounding Groundhog Day. It's yeah. really interesting because yeah. it was brought to the U.S. by German immigrants. Don't ask me how I know these random facts, but I do. And February 2nd also is celebrated um, by those who are Celtic um, to celebrate it as Imbolc, which is a festival marking the beginning of spring. So it's like the midway point between winter and spring. Oh, there you go. So doesn't feel like spring out I, there. I know it doesn't. But. Not in New England. <laughs> <laughs> and probably not in Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania either, but... Uh, but Punxsutawney Phil uh, made his uh, appearance today. You can see the, uh, looking at this online, guys with the, the top hats coming out and reading the procula- uh, pro- proclamation that uh, Phil saw his shadow and that uh, we will have six more weeks of winter. Pretty safe bet, I would say. Uh, I, w- I wonder if uh, they have betting lines on that. You know, I wonder if DraftKings had uh, oh the, the option to... Uh, to have you uh, bet which which uh, Phil was going to predict uh, six more weeks of winter or an early spring? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day today. It's uh, California Kiwi Fruit Day for some reason. Uh, crepe Day. Are you a fan of crepes, Cat? I'm not. No. No. It's a texture thing. Yeah. They're too thin for me. Yeah. I don't you know. N- you know what? I'm not either. I'm not a big. Uh, crepe fan for whatever reason i mean if somebody if i went into somebody's home and they served them i'd, I'd eat them and same probably you know say they were very good <laughs> and you know they and they and they you know aren't bad i mean i'm not uh, totally opposed to crepes but it's not one of my favorite things i would not go out of my way to to have a crepe uh anywhere um well i have to inform my friend john Leahy about this because today today has been designated for whatever reason and and you never know how these days come about on these particular dates, but uh, World Ukulele Day is being celebrated today. And, uh, oh, I play uke. And Mr. Leahy will be uh, bringing his ukulele uh, to Concord uh, next week. Uh, it's uh, Sled Dog Day. It is uh, National Change Your Windshield Wipers Day. So there you go. Change your windshield wipers today. Uh, good opportunity to do that. And it's also Tater Tot Day. Tater Tot Day being celebrated today. Are you a, a Tater Tot person? I'm not. I know. I'm so I'm so picky. Well, well, well I don't think it's picky. I think it's being honest. Yeah. You know, Tater Tots, I, I, a couple of years ago, or, you know, I, I don't know, two, three years ago, they were very, very popular, very chic uh, tater tots, and maybe they still are. I don't know. I'm kind of out of the tater tot loop, but uh, but to me, I mean, if I had a chance, uh, you know, I had the choice at a meal to have French fries or tater tots, I would always take the French fries over the tater tots. Yeah, that's yeah. just me. I, I think tater tots are uh, are overrated. They really are. I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. People may disagree, but that's okay. I feel like and they get soggy quick. Yeah. And it's gross. Yeah. 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 But uh, I would always take, uh, you know, if you have a choice of French fries or tater tots or onion rings, which I like. I, I like onion rings in certain places, but you never know what you're going to get with an onion ring. I mean, I, I like the crispy uh, the crispy type of onion rings. I don't like a lot of uh, the... 
the beer-battered uh, coating that some of the onion rings have. Sometimes there's too much coating. Oh, I on, love that. On the you like oh, that? I lo- oh, give you me the love coating. that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I feel like it's it's a perfect matchup between whatever type of onion they put in it. Yeah. Because sometimes if the onion's too small and right. the batter's too big, you're gonna end up burning yourself. Yeah. But so I like the batter. You like I, the, I do. Like, you like a lot of batter. I do. I, I like the, the the crispier ones, the crispier onion rings with the lesser, uh, less batter. You know, they're so. still tasty. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I, I think the smaller ones are, are terrific. But uh, so you 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 uh, and apparently, I, I would have to say probably the majority of people like it the way you do with the with a lot of uh, a lot of batter around the onion. I I would have to say you're in the majority there. Definitely. And I'm probably in the minority as I, I usually am. But uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, if they if they offered tater tots, onion rings, or French fries at a restaurant I'm not familiar with, let's say. I would always take the French fries. You know what they have at Buffalo Wild Wings that are my favorite now? What's that? Are French fries, and you can get a salt and vinegar dry rub on on them. Oh, really? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's ah, so good. 10 wow. out of 10 recommend if you haven't. I, I haven't uh, tried that yet at Buffalo Wild Wings because I like I like vinegar. On French fries. Me too. Yeah, I, you just say, "Can I have the salt and vinegar fries?" Salt and vinegar fries. That's, that's it. all. Okay. And they'll, they'll know. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, you can get the vinegar on your fries. I to me the the best fries that I've had. Uh, you know, I'm I'm leaving fast food restaurants uh, out of this uh, because yeah, you know, some of the uh, French fries at the fast food places are pretty good, uh, but they're inconsistent. But one one place, I'll I'll, I'll tell you this, cat. Um, and all of you listening, if you want great French fries, best place to go around here, in my opinion, is Kimball's Cavern in Pembroke. I've never been. Oh, yeah. Uh, to go. Terrific. Terrific. Uh, terrific food in general, but I love the fries with the vinegar on them. So hey, there's a little tip there, a little culinary tip for you gourmet diners out there. Yeah, right. Like me. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL. And I'm glad you're with us today. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And, uh, hey, we have some great news and sports all the way around. And we'll bring you up to date on that. Then Anna Brown will bring us up to date a little bit later on on some of the bills uh, before the legislator legislature this session. And uh, get you uh, up to date, get you educated, informed, entertained. We do it all right here at WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. It's Kale and Company Live. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. It is Kale and Company Live. It's a Thursday. And don't forget tomorrow, we'll have the Friday Fun Bunch. We'll uh, celebrate the start of the weekend. Tom Raffio will join us from Northeast Elder Dental. Our resident flick chick, Kitty Ray, will be here. Cat will be here, as always. And uh, I will show up as well. And uh, we'll have a good time tomorrow. Talk about uh, movies. Talk about what's uh, what's going on uh, around the state. And uh, you name it, we discuss it here on uh, WKXL. Boston Bruins, well, they got back on the winning track last night. A 5-2 victory over the Maple Leafs in Toronto. First period scoreless. The Bees opened the scoring at 6.57 of the second period. 
on a shorthanded goal by former Manchester Monarch Derek Forbert. And after uh, Toronto tied the game less than three minutes later, the Bees took the lead to stay on a goal by Brandon Carlo. Uh, Carlo. Brandon Carlo lighting the lamp at uh, 12.33 of the second period to put the Bruins on top 2-1. to A.J. Greer made it 3-1 to early in the second period before Pavel Zaka added uh, two more third-period goals for the Bees to seal the deal, a 5-2 victory over the uh, very good uh, Toronto Maple Leafs last night in Toronto. So a good road victory for the Bees, who had struggled. And uh, Linus Ulmark, who is right now the top goaltender in the NHL, he made 33 saves to post the victory in goal for the Bees, who head to the All-Star break with the best record in the NHL, 39-7-5. and Outstanding record. I don't think there have been too many better uh, going into the All-Star break. 39 wins, 7 regulation losses, and 5 overtime or shootout losses. A local hockey last night. The Concord High Crimson Tide continue to roll. They remained unbeaten on the regular season. The Tide shut out Londonderry 6 to nothing at the Everett Arena. Six different goal scorers for Concord last night. A.J. Dow, Carter Doherty, Trevor Brown, Tyler Morin, and Jack Shoemaker. Brooks Craig added the last goal for Concord to make it 6-0. Callan Goodrow made 19 saves to post his third shot out of the season. The 12-0-0 Tide will take on Pinkerton Academy tomorrow at 3 at the Tritown Ice Arena in Hooksett. Elsewhere in boys' hockey last night, the Bow Falcons went down to St. Anselm College and defeated the Bedford High School Bulldogs 4-1. Goals by Patrick Jerkins, Billy Smethurst, Luke Hearthshorn, and Brody O'Neill. All the bow scoring done in the second period. And in the NBA last night, whoa! Oh, those Boston Celtics, they jumped out to a 30-point lead at the end of the first quarter and cruised to a 139-96 to win at the Garden over Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. The 46-16 lead after the first quarter by the Celtics, the largest advantage the Celtics have ever had after the first quarter of any game in franchise history dating back to 1946. Celtics led the Nets by 30 points after the opening quarter last night. Celtics also set a team record for the TD Garden anyway by hitting 26 three-point shots and they were 26-54 from behind the arc. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both 7-12 of from three-point range and Sam Hauser Broke the team's uh, home record when he hit Boston's 26th three-pointer late in the fourth quarter. Tatum wound up with 31 points and nine rebounds. Jalen Brown added 26 points. The 37 and 15 Celtics will be hosting the 27 and 26 Phoenix Suns, and uh, that will be uh, tomorrow night at the. Uh, 
TD Garden. So well, lots of things going on, as we mentioned, the uh, All-Star break uh, coming up for the uh, National Hockey League. So that means that the uh, Boston Bruins are going to be off uh, for a while. Reminder again that uh, Anna Brown will be joining us from uh, Citizens Count, citizenscount.org, uh, coming up in the uh, not-too-distant future. And we will be looking forward to that because she'll tell us uh, some of the bills that are in front of the legislature. She won't be telling us about all of the bills uh, that are coming uh, in front of the legislature because uh, we'd be here for uh, the better part of 24 hours if we talked about all of them. So at any rate, uh, as you know by now, uh, Tom Brady did announce his retirement yesterday, and apparently this time it's real, according to uh, Tom Brady. So uh, we shall see. And uh, Tom Brady uh, and, of course, uh, you know, the football world uh, take a little bit by surprise that uh, sort of came out of the blue, but uh, we were expecting an announcement at some point. So one year to the day from when he made his initial announcement that he was going to retire last year in 2022 on February 1st. He makes his now official announcement on February 1st of 2023. When Vice President Kamala Harris was called to the pulpit at the funeral of Tyree Nichols, she said the White House would settle for nothing less than ambitious federal legislation to crack down on police brutality. Vice President said, we should not delay and we will not be denied. It is non-negotiable. Back in Washington, however, progress appears difficult, if not unlikely. Bipartisan efforts to reach an agreement on policing legislation stalled more than a year ago. And President Biden ended up instead signing an executive order named for George Floyd, whose murder at the hands of Minneapolis police set off a nationwide protest nearly three years ago. Now with a new killing in the headlines, Biden and Harris will meet with members of the Congressional Black Caucus today to explore whether it's possible to get legislation back on track. Representative uh, Stephen Horsford, a Democrat from Nevada, who shares the caucus, says, I am working to make sure that we have a clear plan. The White House is facing fresh pressure to advance the issue, and even some political allies are frustrated with what they view as excess caution from Joe Biden. Now, Representative Jamal Bowman from uh, New York says, I think the president is missing the opportunity to be a historic president when it comes to the social issues that continue to plague our country. That's what we need. Bowman described Biden as a champion of the status quo in many ways. And he said Biden needs to be a champion of a new vision for America. The solution, Bowman said, is not thoughts and prayers come to the State of the Union address after your kid gets killed. A reference to uh, Nichols' mother and stepfather being invited invited to attend uh, next week's uh, State of the Union address. So... Uh, we shall see how that goes. And uh, another incident uh, recently of uh, police brutality uh, taking place in the death of uh, 
Tyree Nichols, and his funeral was held uh, yesterday. So we will see how how that works out, and, uh, and just uh, it is a tragedy. There's there's no doubt about it, and uh, you know by and large you know that uh, the, uh, the police do a an incredible job, a thankless job uh, that they uh, that they have to perform day in and uh, day out, and we give uh, all due credit to uh, the people who uh, work for law enforcement. Because uh, by and large, they do a uh, a terrific job, and it's uh, as I say, a, a thankless job and a, a job that, uh, unfortunately, because of uh, the recent controversy, especially over the last uh, uh, two to three years about this topic, unfortunately, many of our great law enforcement uh, people are leaving that job. And it's highly unfortunate because you know that 99.8% of our people in law enforcement do an incredible job. And we should thank them every day uh, for the work that they do because uh, they are you know, the, the, the people that, uh, that keep us safe day in, day out. And, uh, and many of them are, are getting a bad rap and it is uh, needless. It, it truly is because we know that 99, 99% at least are, are doing a job every day that protects our society. Well, we will take a break and then we'll return with Anna Brown. And uh, Anna, of course, the uh, Director of Research and Analysis from Citizens Count. And we'll talk about some bills in front of the legislature this session. Kale and Company Live presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. Back with more right after these words on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on this Thursday, Groundhog Day. Hunstatani Phil. Saw his shadow. We'll have six more weeks of winter and uh, six more weeks to go through bills for sure at the uh, New Hampshire legislature. And joining us to sort all of that out is our guest, Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis at Citizens Count, citizenscount.org, on Facebook, uh, all over the place. Uh, Anna, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Great to be here, Ken. And uh, Anna, uh, you had a, a recent article which was uh, published in the uh, Concord Monitor a few days back about finding bills that uh, people may have an interest in. Uh, what, what's the best way to go about uh, finding uh, bills of interest uh, in front of the New Hampshire legislature? Well, you can always go to the general court website and you know browse bills one by one, but it's very difficult to track down what you might be interested in because it's a lot of legalese. It's a very complicated website. So first of all, citizens count. It's very important to us to create those easy tools for people to get involved. So if you go to citizenscount.org slash bills, you can browse all of the bills by topic. So zero in on those topics that are interesting to you, whether it's animal rights or business taxes or renewable energy, almost any topic you can imagine, child care funding, affordable housing, and then also, this, there are so many wonderful advocacy organizations in New Hampshire. So if you know ahead of time 
what particular issue you really want to get involved in, a lot of those groups are sending out alerts about upcoming bill hearings or votes that might happen and prompting you, okay, now's a great time to reach out to your elected officials. But that call, I'm so glad you brought up that call. It's part of a new advocacy toolkit that we created for the 2023 legislative session. And so if you go to our website, citizenscount.org slash how dash two, or you can find our advocacy toolkit in the navigation bar, it'll have that tutorial on how do I find bills I'm interested in, as well as other great tutorials, like how do I testify in person at a public hearing? What do I say if I want to contact an elected official? How do I write a letter to the editor? You know, all those civics topics that, you know, you think, oh, maybe I could do it, maybe I shouldn't, because... New Hampshire really is a great state for sharing your voice. Legislators really do listen to what their voters are saying. So I definitely encourage people to get involved. And that is absolutely true. And I I would uh, venture to say, Anna, that most people would have no idea how how to uh, navigate the legislature, how to speak in front of a a committee or get in touch with a a member of the House or or the Senate and uh, get something moving. So uh, I think those tools would be very important for people. It's certainly something that even if you learned about the basic bill process in a civics course, it's it's a whole other layer to say, okay, I'm going to find a bill. I'm going to find a bill hearing. I'm going to go testify in person. It's you know, the, our goal is to say, you know, it's okay to ask those questions. It's easy. It's, it's, it's really easier than you think it is. And, and we want to provide that, that little step, that bridge that people might need for that last step to get involved. Because there are so many examples. You know, um, the bill to raise the marriage age in New Hampshire a few years ago was originally brought forward by a Girl Scout, Cassandra Levesque, who is now a state representative herself. Um, a bill to ban livestock trespassing, <laughs> which is basically, you know, about free-ranging chickens in your backyard that shouldn't be there. That originally started as a, a voter concern, reaching out to an elected official. The abortion, the 24-week abortion ban that was passed with the budget, very controversial. The following year, legislators ended up voting to change that law to add an exception for fatal fetal anomaly. And when they were asked, okay, why did you change your mind? Why did you change your vote? They said it was the testimony of the moms and the almost moms. I could go on and on and on. So many examples. Yeah, there really are. And uh, there are so many bills, too. I was saying we could we could go on for a couple of days continuously just uh, just mentioning the bills that are going to be in front of the legislature yes. uh, this session for sure. But it's it's very simple. If you want to find every bill, uh, just go on to citizenscount.org. There's an icon right there, which I can press right now, like I'm, I'm going to do, and you can see all the bills that yes. are active. You know, it's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. And it, it breaks it down, and there are pages and pages of them. Uh, but, Over 900 this year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 very true. And I don't think that's even a record, is it? I mean, that's, uh, uh, no. I, I think in the past there have been uh, well over a 1,000 in some sessions. This is a lo- slightly lower than we've seen in recent years, for sure. I think perhaps representatives in the state house saw how closely divided it was between Republicans and Democrats and said, ah, well, you know, my very partisan proposal doesn't stand, you know, let's like, let's not mess around with that really hard fight that it would face. So yeah, it's usually over a thousand. So I was a little surprised that we only were around 900 this year. Why do you think that that is, uh, Anna? Any any particular reason? I think that it definitely the very close partisan divide is motivating legislators to focus on 
what really has legs here? What is a policy that I could get people from the other party to support? Because you will probably need those votes ultimately to get it passed this year. I also think that Senate President Jeb Bradley from the beginning definitely set a tone saying, you know, we want to work in a bipartisan fashion. He's very well known for for trying to craft that compromise legislation in various cases. For example, I remember he was very involved when New Hampshire first expanded Medicaid and forging a way forward that Republicans were going to get behind. So I I definitely think it's about that search for bipartisanship and, and proposals that might have a little bit broader appeal this year. And also, I think, really an agreement on some of what we really need to focus on as a state this year, which we saw when Sherman Packard, House Speaker Sherman Packard, established committees just dedicated to housing and just dedicated to the child care shortage. You know, and that right off the bat, I think you could speak to any legislator from either party and they'd say, yeah, these are critical issues in New Hampshire right now. Yeah, they they really are. What are some of the what would you say the uh, the biggest interest is in right now from the the general public in in terms of uh, legislation that's going on? Well, we cannot ever compete, it seems, with interest in marijuana legalization every year. <laughs> that is such a popular topic. You know, you uh, public hearings having dozens upon dozens of people speaking and the debates just continue year after year. But it seems like maybe this year the proposals will, will get somewhere because usually they're, they can pass the House, but they reach roadblocks in the Senate. And then, of course, Governor Sununu. But the state Senate this year did see some important turnovers where opponents of legalization did leave. They retired. So I think that it has more of a chance. I mean, Senator Daryl Abbott actually crafted one of the legalization proposals last year, which would place it under a system similar to the state liquor stores, where it's basically completely state controlled. So and then also in the House, the House Majority Leader and the House Minority Leader are co-sponsoring the marijuana legalization proposal. So those are, you know, the real leaders of the chamber. So that's something that's very interesting to the public. But I also think it has more momentum this year than in any previous year I've seen so far. But, of course, uh, there's the caveat that uh, Governor Sununu has said countless times that any legislation, a marijuana legislation that gets to his desk, uh, will be vetoed. Absolutely. No, it's a very much a challenge, and he, he still does seem opposed. So that is an obvious hurdle, although I do wonder if it really did have great support in the House and Senate, if he could be persuaded to, to let it happen or if it had really enough controls. He, he seemed open to that sort of liquor commission model last year, saying, you know, well, if we're going to do it, this seems like it might be the way to go. So I wouldn't completely rule things out with Sununu because he can be unpredictable. And there's also chances for other strange, unexpected things to happen. I have speculated all this would be a very bold mood on the legislators' parts. I wondered, is there any chance they might add this to the state budget to kind of force Sununu's hand? Or alternatively, is there a chance that it could pass with that two-thirds majority, which would give them enough to override his veto? Mm. It's not impossible. So it's true. Sununu is going to be the big hurdle this year. But once again, more momentum than ever before. Well, if you're interested in uh, marijuana legislation, there are a number of bills uh, in in front of the uh, House and Senate. 
uh, concerning that issue, and uh, you can find them all. Just uh, click on to the uh, the icon, which uh, says, uh, you know, simply marijuana bills. And as as, uh-huh. as Anna mentioned, you can they they're broken down. They have uh, uh, marijuana, animal rights, abortion and contraception, uh, affordable housing and property rights. All have uh, any number of bills regarding. Uh, those topics and uh, easily broken down here on uh, citizenscount.org. Anna, stay with us. We have to take a, a quick break here. Anna Brown is with us, Director of Research and Analysis from Citizens Count, citizenscount.org, and uh, on Facebook as well. Kale and Company Live, presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Anna Brown is with us from Citizens Count, citizenscount.org, and uh, on Facebook as well. Where, where else, Anna? Anywhere else? Oh, well, Twitter. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn. Twitter, of course. Sometimes yeah. we post on the New Hampshire subreddit on Reddit, so we try to get out and about. You are all over the place. It's hard to miss uh, Citizens Count, and uh, they do such a terrific job year in and year out, keeping people uh, up to date with legislation. And you can, you know, read so many morning newspapers on, on your website. It's it's unbelievable. You know, you can just sit there and read the paper off your website. It's terrific and uh, provides a, a great service for people. And uh, the bills are so, are so well broken down. So in addition to uh, marijuana, would uh, would abortion be the, the number two item of, of greatest interest, do you think? Well, there's definitely a lot of hot interest there. I'm not sure if that hat is that going to be easy to move forward this year in the New Hampshire House. There are proposals across the spectrum. So on the one hand, we do have proposals that are interested in further limiting abortion. There's a proposal that would limit it down to close to six weeks even, so um, if, as soon as a fetal heartbeat is detected. And then we have bills on the other end that would repeal the current restrictions or, or you know, really try to you know, add new rights for women related to that. But there's an interesting proposal in the middle, which would basically freeze New Hampshire's law where it is now. So there's a ban after 24 weeks with certain exceptions for the health of the mother and and what's going on with the baby. And then also um, a parental notification requirements for minors. But besides that, basically say, okay, we're saying this is it. No more restrictions. And there is a right to abortion before 24 weeks. And I'm going to be watching that one because a lot of Republican legislators who did vote for the abortion ban were saying, well, it's after 24 weeks. You know, that's, this is late-term abortions. This is, we know they're rare, but, like, this is where we're going to draw the line in the sand. We're not looking at earlier restrictions. And so I surveyed the candidates as part of our 2022 election profiles and saw there was definite interest among some Republicans to say, no, we should freeze the law where it is. I'd be open to guaranteeing that right to abortion before 24 weeks. And so there have been public hearings on some of those proposals. And I will be watching that one in particular because I do think Governor Sununus would sign that as well, because he was very vocal when he signed the 24 week abortion ban saying, well, I only signed this because it was part of the budget. I didn't have a choice. I had to sign the budget. And so I think that he would be interested in saying, well, yeah, now I'm signing a bill that says affirmatively you do have a right to an abortion before 24 weeks. 
So I think that that's really the proposal that I'm going to be watching this year most closely. Yeah, which is not a, a radical bill, so to speak. No, it, it really all it does is it freezes New Hampshire's law where it is now. Um, so it, it should, it shouldn't be controversial at all. So I, I, but on the other hand, you know, it's abortion is a, a very, very heated topic for yeah. many people. Yeah. So I will be, yeah, I, I think that Republicans could get on board with this, but then again, you know, maybe, maybe there's more Republicans who are into more interested in more restrictions than they are saying. It, it's hard to know. So in abortion legal up to uh, 24 weeks of pregnancy, pregnancy and, uh, uh, it just uh, clarifies uh, abortion rights and uh, prevent any any further changes. Correct. Correct. Yep. Correct. And there's similar bills in both the House and Senate to do that. So there's sort of that two prong push to get that moving forward in, in both the House and Senate. Have you picked out uh, yet uh, any weird bills? What are, What are the weirdest bills that are up there this time around? <laughs> Huh? Well, I definitely fewer than usual, I must say. Once again, I think perhaps legislators were looking at that really tight partisan split and said, yeah, I'm, I'm just not even going to try to fight for this, there, this year. But there is one bill that did make me chuckle a little bit because it would require legislators to be paid with 200 silver coins rather than $200. (laughs) So the argument is basically that this is, you know, when the Constitution in New Hampshire was first passed, that it was, this is what was the pay was. So really, this would give legislators a a raise to about, you know, somewhere around $4,000, depending on the value of silver. But man, it would also create some definite logistical challenges in terms of getting those silver coins and where to store them and, and how to hand them out. So that that one definitely made me chuckle a little bit. It's, it's similar to proposals that I remember uh, have come up in previous years every now and then, um, but definitely a more unique way to raise pay for legislators in New Hampshire. Uh, they're very unique, indeed. There is also a, a, a bill uh, that was submitted by uh, Walter Stapleton, to raise legislator pay from the uh, $200, which it has been for the two-year term, to a $5,000 for each two-year term. You, you don't see that one going anywhere, do you? I don't. All of the proposals that I've ever seen come up about raising legislator pay meet Swiss best in New Hampshire. And I think it's because there's really a lot of support for this tradition of we have a citizen legislature, people cannot be motivated by, you know, any monetary influence. I will say that there is a downside there, of course, because it's a part-time job, certainly January through June, sometimes even I would imagine gets up to 40, closer to 40 hours a week. And so it's very hard for people who have regular nine to five jobs to get in on that and be part of the, the elected official process. You know, it's a, very much a lot of people who are retired, maybe people who have unconventional or flexible, more flexible hours, like maybe firefighters or if you own your own business. So we definitely do have, you know, a certain demographic that is represented and a certain demographic that is excluded from running for office. But then again, I also don't think $5,000 a year would be enough to <laughs> motivate, you know, a lot of people to say, oh, I don't need to work a nine-to-five job anymore. So, yeah, it's really definitely been part of New Hampshire's history now for decades and decades. And de- well, I mean, 
back to the 200 silver coins, right? Back to so the 200 I, silver coins. I think that's yeah. far more intriguing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that's intriguing is, is the fact that, you know, and I really haven't given this too much thought over the years until it was brought to my attention recently by the gentleman who uh, proposed this legislation, and, and that is New Hampshire does not have one of the few states that does not have a lieutenant governor in place. And uh, State Representative uh, Michael Moffat uh, is proposing a constitutional amendment which would establish a lieutenant governor uh, for the state. I wonder why we've never had one or uh, it hasn't, you know, been an issue over the years. Well, the interesting thing is that New Hampshire also is a little unique in that we have the executive council. Yeah. So I think that there there's a couple quirks in our government related to how that executive power is shared and delegated. But it does create a bit of a question about who's in charge when Governor Sununu is away. And if I remember correctly, that would usually fall to the Senate president. And then I think there was a few years ago, I seem to recall that the Senate president had resigned or was also out of state or something like that. And then there ended up being a little bit of a kerfuffle of who's in charge around here. But um, if this would be a constitutional amendment, which has a higher threshold for passing the legislature, but then also would have to pass with a supermajority of voters on the next ballot. So I know that that is a to hard in New Hampshire. We don't see that pass a lot. So I think that the, the challenge here for Representative Moffat is going to be communicating, you know, why, why this is important moving forward and why we need to make that change. Um, I'm also, I also be, would be interested to see, you know, would a lieutenant governor suddenly become, you know, a really important part of the election process? You know, um, that, that could be a fun change in New Hampshire just because I'm a political nerd and I, and I love imagining how these things would play out. Yeah, and apparently uh, the pay would be the same as the the Senate president. It would not be a, 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 a large paying job whatsoever. It would be the same amount that the Senate president uh, was being paid, which I, I believe is just $200 uh, for every two years. Uh, so it would be that kind of a position. So I, I don't know. We'll see how far this, this goes. But, you know, he also mentioned, you know, the fact that the governor is called upon to do a lot of ceremonial things like ribbon cuttings and dedications and, and that sort of thing that uh, uh, could be done by uh, a lieutenant governor. In, in addition to, you know, taking uh, the, the place of the chief executive, if uh, that chief executive, you know, um, became ill, as, you know, Governor Sununu was, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago uh, when he was hospitalized. So, I mean, uh, there are a lot of interesting uh, points, and we're one of the few states that just does not have a lieutenant governor in place. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where that goes. But that would take a supermajority, correct, you said? Correct, yes. Yeah. Supermajority in both the legislature, but then also among voters, among the public yeah. at the next election day. Yeah, because it is a constitutional uh, amendment that uh, um, Mike Moffat wants to uh, wants to see passed. So anything else that stands out? What about the, the uh, article I, I read about uh, crookies and cream? Crookies <laughs> and cream. Where do, where do we stand with uh, raw milk ice cream? So funny you should bring it up because that bill that you're talking about did pass. So we, New Hampshire does now allow sales of small amounts of, of raw milk ice cream, which was the big debate at the time last year. Was the, you know There was a woman in particular who was selling raw milk ice cream as part of her raw milk products. And ice cream very specifically was not mentioned by name in state law. So she was forced to, to, to take it down. 
and was joking that when it was legalized, she was going to come up with a new flavor called crookies and cream instead of cookies and cream. Um, so this, there is actually follow-on legislation this year, which would basically increase the amount of raw milk products, including raw milk ice cream, that can be um, processed and sold. So this is in New Hampshire, you know, raw milk, there's debate about whether it's safe for the public. Obviously, it's not processed in the same way. It doesn't go through pasteurization, but some people say that, oh, no, well, there's health benefits to just leaving it right how it is when it comes out of the cow, if you will. Um, so there, But there are limits on how much you can sell, how much you can process, because there is that lack of extra pasteurization or any pasteurization, I should say. So we'll see if that goes anywhere this year. I know that there are also concerns about, obviously, public health. There are examples where people do get sick from all sorts of food products, honestly, not just milk. So that the debate goes on about how much, how much raw milk ice cream you can buy. Well, on that note, Anna, we're going to have to wrap things up, but uh, thanks so much for joining us today and uh, always enlightening and uh, informative. So thanks a lot and uh, check it out at uh, citizenscount.org if you want to uh, find out where a bill is uh, is right now, citizenscount.org. You can find them on Facebook, on Twitter. And uh, Anna, thanks so much. We always appreciate your time. Thank you, Ken. All right, Anna Brown, the uh, Director of Research and Analysis of Citizens Count and citizenscount.org. Check out all those bills. There are some very interesting ones, ones you'd be uh, surprised reading about. That'll do it for this edition of uh, Kale & Company Live. Don't forget the Friday Fun Bunch tomorrow. Tom Raphael will be in, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental. Our resident flick chick, Kitty Ray, will be with us. Cat, of course, will uh, be joining us as well, and we'll have all kinds of fun tomorrow uh, talking about uh, some movies, some sports, some happenings around the great state of New Hampshire, all tomorrow on the Friday Fun Bunch, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. Have a great Groundhog Day, everybody. We will see you tomorrow, right after 8 o'clock.